We live in the great age when capitalists roam the earth. It bears us a great self-service to ask ourselves, is greed good? Capitalism is based entirely around this one somewhat nefarious concept, self-serving rational self-interest. Or AKA as we all know it, it's called greed. It's the moral core of our civilization. It's virtually understood as nothing but immortal, craving through an insatiable and rapacious appetite. Yet, is it a good idea to formulate our entire culture around a hunger that can never be satiated? It, it might not even be possible to do so. In this uh, video, I'll be taking a look at answering the age-old question, Is greed good? And at the end of this video, I'll tell you my formula for making $3,000 every month. All hail the machine, I am your host, Rolo the Chimp, warping in today from the 17th dimension to bring you spirituality with a hammer. When we think of greed in our society, we often think of Michael Douglas's uh, portrayal of the infamous Gordon Gecko. In that final speech in his movie, he says, Greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Uh, he, of course, went on to say that it captures the essence of the evolutionary spirit. Greed in all of its form. Greed for life, for money, for love. Knowledge has marked the upward surge of mankind. Well, apparently, greed is the fuel for the American business model. Now, greed is all natural. Humans as a species are insatiable. When we come together to formulate society, we can't quite strain too far from our given nature. In this way, philosophers like Aristotle proposed a social system that attempted to align with nature. In his discourses in Nicomachean Ethics, he talked about the happy life intended for man by nature. Yet man could only accomplish this happy life by living in accordance with natural laws. In a sense, politics and the political community must direct its energy towards bringing about this sort of life for its citizenry. For the political philosopher Thomas Hobbes, man's core virtue was a state of war, being that nature is more hostile than we tend to romanticize about it. In this essence, Hobbes saw that greed was something that couldn't be avoided. In fact, greed was downright as close to the natural state of man as one could possibly get. He said, man in essence is defined by his greed, and that human being is naturally greedy. Is greed good for political philosophy? Well, according to Thomas Hobbes a little bit more, there are two reasons why humans are greedy. The first reason is that our standards of what it means to be quote-unquote successful are impossible to satisfy. Look at multi-millionaires and billionaires. They're elevated to godlike status. You can't turn on your television without outright celebrity and entrepreneur worship. Wealthy people are the ideal person in modern society. Everything is excessive. Inherently, this makes it all a standard by which prior pinnacles are set forth to being quote-unquote successful. It's different for the actual people living at the zenith of the social ladder. When millionaires reach this high platform of excellence, they are more often than not looking to climb the next rung and get to the next paycheck. Naturally, in this way, life becomes a perpetual cycle of accumulating more and more and more. The second reason why people become greedy is that the failure to achieve these high levels of success affects people's self-esteem. Here begins an onset of a potential existential crisis. We're always comparing ourselves to what others have. Inevitably, it drives a perpetual cycle of greed. As for Hobbesian and political philosophers, asking the question, is greed good, relays sort of a moot point. It's not that it's either good or bad, rather that it relates to the natural inclination of humans themselves. 
For him, the idea that the market functions on greed was an ethical problem. Ethics or moral philosophy played an incredibly important role in maintaining a good market. Greed is excessive and it's not virtuous. Instead, people living in a market economy should, should exercise prudence and rational self-interest as the highest virtues. Coincidentally, you could say that Adam Smith's model is a far more accurate depiction of today's current market. Fraudsters get tried as criminals, entrepreneurs get rich by helping others out, etc. For Ayn Rand, selfishness was a virtue. Greed is a virtue. By her standards, they were the predators and the prey, and the only rational option for a person to choose was to be a predator. In this sense, all the institutions of servitude and public good are merely masochistic ideals. Sadism was Rand's primary aversion. Greed and self-service are two in the same things, essentially. Rand wanted nothing to do with a worldview that taught self-sacrifice. To her, it was disgusting. Technically, we equate greed with the self-serving Epicureanism. Her defense of greed comes at defending the ideal of self-interest. In this sense, a person was an end in himself and not the means to the ends of others. People should ultimately live for their own rational self-interest. Ayn Rand's perspective was that greed is a sort of ennobling virtue. Slavoj Zizek, the Slovenian Marxist philosopher, wrote an article called To Each According to His Greed. This is a parody of the Marxist communist maxim, from each according to his ability to each according to his need. It exemplified the ideal of a community that built itself up, whereas on the other hand, Zizek is parodying this very concept in order to create a point about how this concept has been perverted. Capitalist consumption is not really hysterical. Hysterical consumption means that you're always disappointed. It's a promise that it will be the thing that you want. You buy it and you're disappointed. Consumption is a perversion. A pervert knows that when he or she needs to buy a computer, that eventually you will have to buy another one. There are no more illusions about this programmed obsolescence. We know that we have to buy another one, but people are shocked if you buy something and it lasts you a lifetime. Take a look at the 2008 financial meltdown. Banks created the illusion of growth by playing with fictional money. Junk bonds were tranched and then called diversified and sold off as AAA rated. It was the most sleazy banking fraud that has ever occurred. What spurred it on was the promise of continuous growth. Big banks were so blinded by this rap ramp by this rampant greed that they couldn't conceive of how it would all come down in a crash. Ultimately, it resulted in one of the greatest market recessions in history. So is greed good for spiritual development? Well, there's a torturous dimension of being greedy as well. It turns into a sort of suffering and misery. Suffering that Buddha laid out for us. So greed is a perpetual need-based struggle where your rapacious appetite can never be satiated, right? I don't know about you, but to want more and more of something without ever being satisfied seems torturous. Yet greed underlies the framework of our society. Why? If we give up on greed, will the scruples of our society fall apart? It's never being satisfied with what one has, to want more and more and more. Is this good or bad? According to the Epicureans uh, on overindulgence, we'd think Epicurean hedonism would be the determining factor of greed. After all, the modern concept of hedonism paints this image of the ultra-successful as the highest form of being. That helps to drive progress in society, but creates a sort of suffering. Ultimately, greed is this sort of imbalance of virtue and vice. Look at celebrities who have become the sages of the modern ideal of greed. They're excessive, glamorous, luxurious, and ultimately just all around more highly valued than the commoner. Yet their lavish hedonism is constantly getting them into trouble. 
Their excessive lifestyle, believe it or not, actually flies in the face of Epicurus's actual philosophy. This is because he practiced a sort of negative hedonism whereby you identify your desire and try to live on the bare minimum. Quite the opposite of greed. Ultimately, the more you have, the harder it is to keep. Those who obtain all this luxurious excessive inevitably come to identify themselves in it. Not only that they'll never be happy about it, but they'll also always want more and more. Protestant Christian spirituality was a capitalism without greed. According to the political philosopher Max Weber, our common notions of market forces come from Protestant Christianity, particularly Calvinism and Puritanical ethics. Christianity had a particularly profound ethical influence over the pre-modern market economy. People were called to work, yet at the same time they all called to reject worldly affairs. That included the pursuit of wealth and possessions. This is because the accumulation of wealth and possessions was seen as greed. Greed is a sin. Instead of accumulating wealth ad nauseum, people were called to labor and to reinvest their wealth back into the community. Society was seen as a growing cooperative to grow in the divine presence of God. Yet, as modernism progressed, those ideas began to change. Instead of constructing a society based around God on earth, the idea became only about accumulation of wealth. It soon, with the emergence of modern capitalism, those fundamental tenets of Christian thought have all been erased. The wholeness of the enterprise was left by the wayside. Instead of a market economy where the highest earners invested heavily back into the communities, we have a profoundly more greedy alternative that emerged. This new capitalism was all but creating wealth for wealth's sake and was no longer about raising up the community at large. Thomas Aquinas said, Greed is a sin against God just as all mortal sins, inasmuch as man condemns things eternal for the sake of temporal things. The question of greed in our immortal soul often duly arises hand in hand. Buddhist concepts of greed coincided with the notions they had about suffering. This is because Buddha would say greed is desire. Plain and simply put, even in Eastern mythology, Buddha equates greed to a sort of suffering beyond limitation. The Buddha adamantly offered people a way out of their suffering. These teachings can be summarized by the primary concepts of the Four Noble Truths. The Four Noble Truths that lay out the groundwork for Buddhism. Yet they're hard to understand, so I'll make it simple. Suffering is the truth of reality. To make this a little bit easier to understand, suffering exists, it has a cause, it has an end, and it also has a cause to bring about its end. Greed inherently has no end. There is no satisfying greed. Buddhism, however, doesn't try to abstain from pleasure. It just recognizes that pleasure is supremely fleeting, like smoke that slips through your hands. It's vaporous, like the concept of Hable from the book of Ecclesiastes, a smoke and vapor. To the Buddha, the pursuit of greedy endeavors can only continue what is ultimately an unquenchable thirst. However, it is treated no differently than any of the other dukkha or delusional suffering. Greed inevitably, greed inevitably leads to the worship of money. There's a whole other level of greed, and it's not just about having money in your pocket, but the worship of money itself. The vast majority of people in the world are born into the economic system of capitalism. Inevitably, it is leading people down the path of a sort of cult of greed. People worship money and, and formulate their entire lives around getting it and what it can do for them. Advertisement after advertisement consistently emblazoned the idea of an unhealthy amount of consumerism. Propaganda by companies is a call to go buy stuff. Buying stuff is not evil. In fact, under the tenets of the market economy, it's the only way to acquire the necessities of life. Greed is the surplus dimension that goes beyond mere necessity. However, excess is the rule here. 
I feel like it all comes down to that very American aphorism of keeping up with the Joneses. Essentially, I do agree somewhat with Gordon Gecko. In other ways, I can see the negativity that greed brings into people's lives. For example, uh, the reference of Buddha's idea of this endless desire of a kind of suffering.